Hey folks, welcome to episode number eight of Josh's Worst Nightmare Podcast presented by Denver Horror Collective. I am your host, Josh Schlossberg, surveying the dark landscape of biological horror fiction. For this episode, we have Thomas C. Mavrudis. Thomas C. Mavrudis has an MFA from the University of California, Riverside. His debut novella, Bergdorf and Associates from Omnium Gatherum, was released in May, and he is currently assembling his first short story collection. Tom's short stories have recently appeared in Terror Tales, Volume 9, and Mysterium Tremendum. Tom is also an active member of Denver Horror Collective on the steering committee, and he had a story in Denver Horror Collective's first anthology, the local horror fiction anthology, all stories taking place in Colorado, all by Colorado authors called Terror 5280, and he wrote a creepy cemetery story called Block 12. Welcome, Tom, to Josh's Worst Nightmare. Hi, Josh. Thanks uh, for inviting me on to uh, talk about biological horror and so on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm very glad to have you. And for those who are tuning in for the first time, for every episode, I invite on horror authors to talk about an aspect of biological horror, which is living creatures and vital processes, something that's somewhat relevant to their writing in some way. And for this episode, we've sort of decided to talk about infection, which is a favorite topic of mine. <laughs> so, Tom, what is it about infection that that moves you, that makes you want to include that in your writing and things that you read? Well, when I was um, sort of mulling over my my sort of collected my handful of collected work so far. And um, just thinking about, I think there's a lot of cross between biological horror and, and body horror and uh, infection, you know, just transforms things and uh, transformation definitely is um, scary and mysterious and not, I mean, I guess there's good transformations like a caterpillar to a butterfly, but it's <laughs> transformations are not always necessarily great. And it's, I, I don't even equate it with, you know, change and change being good. Uh, the, the transformation mm -hmm. is definitely um, a, a impactful um, going from one Thing to a completely different thing and to me that is is scary mm -hmm. and uh especially you know kind of thinking while we're in you know some mode of ending with the pandemic and just mm -hmm. uh that sort of infection and the way that 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 has transformed um a lot of people who've been sick i mean and just mm -hmm. the way that that's i mean that's almost like Right. That's we're sort of living in a real biological horror story mm -hmm. uh, based around an infection right now. And just the way that uh, it changes people's physiology, which I yeah. think is pretty scary. Absolutely. Now, I think that's that's a really excellent point. And around COVID, it's like, OK, you might die. But then when you're dead, I guess that's a form of transformation. And who knows what happens then? But that's like, all right, well, you're dead versus 
no, now I'm changed and I can't walk up the stairs anymore because my lungs are basically glass. So I think that is a horrifying aspect of COVID versus a lot of other diseases are like, yeah, I was really sick. And then I wasn't, you know, and, and a lot of times that does happen with COVID and, and perhaps maybe even the majority, hopefully the cases, but there's that lingering aspect. You're not the same. You're almost, I don't want to say use the word tainted because that's a really negative way of looking at it, but to a certain degree, it might be true, right? Well, yeah. And that's so that whole aspect of transformation is like when I was looking at um, sort of in the mid period, and this is probably like in December, and just looking at every collected symptom or like long term thing where there was just there were things where I was like, well, I mean, you you hear about people losing their smell of taste and and um, their their sense of smell and taste. And that was like the infection killing those neurons that help you with that. So like, Mm. that's scary that there's something that's, you know, grasping, you know, pieces of your brain, but don't go, I mean, obviously, I'm not a neurologist. So Mm. I'm sort of (laughs) condensing this, but but then there were just other things like I saw something described as COVID toes. <laughs> and and I was like, oh my what COVID toes. So like this percentage of people have it's what described to me, it sounds sort of like gout, but it wasn't gout. So it was just like, oh, all these, you know, I mean it's it kind of takes me back to being a like a a kid and a teenager, and I was a big X-Men fan and growing up sort of at the tail end of the cold where I always thought that there was still a possibility that there'd be this nuclear Holocaust that would turn people into mutants. But you know, mm-hmm. of course the, the mutants it would turn you into is, you know, you're not going to have uh, wings or anything. You're just going to probably have an eye coming out of your cheek and that's, right. <laughs> that's useless. So, um, but so looking at all these, yeah, like these, some, and some people have with our, you know, with COVID that they have this long-term, um, nobody knows what's, what's going to happen to them. I mean, it could be, I mean, it's, it's just, it's weird and certainly frightening that we're in this, uh, in this grand infection period in modern times, trying to see uh, how everything's going to adjust and how that the infection itself adjusts. I mean, who who knows? It could be some sort of dynamite thing in our body in any second. You know, we're all going to liquefy. Mm-hmm. Or <laughs> people, the long haulers or whoever are going to, you know, their brains are going to jump out of their skull or something. You know, who, who knows? That's very likely. It might be also really cool stuff. Like maybe we can jump really high or... Maybe we can, maybe our lungs no longer work as well on earth, but in outer space, they're great. So I'm looking on the bright side of our mutations, but no, you're, you're totally (laughs) correct there. We don't know what's, what's going on with all that. And I think you make a really excellent point about that connection between just the, the infection and the transformation. And I think that's what werewolf zombie vampire, that's what happens in all those, right? You get infected and you're not just like, oh, this sucks i feel bad you you change yes yeah exactly and i mean yeah it looks it could fit into into everything even 
like being a ghost is a is a transformation and to be stuck with any sort of undeath i think is you know kind of a horrifying infection for sure that's true yeah well you can almost look at so is yeah death is the infection that uh transforms you into the spirit world then there's also something you'd mentioned in your email to me tying into possession right so the whole idea of let's just take the easiest um the exorcist kind of thing you know just it's an easy image so something goes inside the demon or the devil whatever the hell and it's not just like oh now i got a demon in me your skin is cracking your head spinning around your projectile vomiting you're cursing out all this stuff so that that possession in a sec in a sense it's almost like a like a infection of your spirit or your soul to a certain degree yeah exactly it's like um and uh, i always think it's interesting to talk about uh, just different you know the different vectors in infection you know like there's a virus which goes in i mean they all of them spread right but you think about fungal infections those are really mm. creepy and gross or you think of you know viral infections or like um any sort of demonic possession or ghost possession or alien is is they're definitely a parasite right you know and it's it's like this parasitic infection yeah something going inside you that's not you and it's not supposed to be there and it changes you i guess my question would be so whether or not so the tales of these sorts of things happening the supernatural tales let's just assume for a second that that's not true it maybe it is but let's just assume for a second according to science supernatural is not real per se so back in the day when people were getting sick they ascribed it to oh i'm transforming i'm changing because there's some sort of spirit inside me but i guess which which belief came first i guess because people didn't really believe in disease back then they didn't think that there was a thing right they basically thought there were humors or whatever weird views like they thought miasmas from swamps basically oh yeah the miasma came into town from the swamp like a, a gas and that's why she's all weird right now so it's always been intertwined that the idea of the disease and the idea of basically some form of possession and transformation Oh yeah, and like the connection between uh, tuberculosis and vampirism, which I, I think ah. is is pretty fascinating as well. And I, I had always, I mean, I kind of knew that connection because TB patients are always like very pale and gaunt, mm -hmm. you know, and they cough up blood. But I guess that where that, and I was reading something about it. I'm trying to. I don't really like vampires very much, but I seem to be working on a couple of handful of vampire <laughs> stories <laughs> and one of them is uh oh and i like how with how they call it consumption so mm -hmm. she's she's talking about how she's had consumption before when i was just looking at that connection yeah. the reason that they thought that was like a vampiric thing was that of course the person that has it uh you know gets sick and they're pale and they're coughing up blood and then they die mm -hmm. but then the rest of the household gets sick so naturally it's because the original person is coming out of the grave and feeding on it so right right <laughs> so i like i that seems to be one of my favorite uh vampiric 
mythological pieces is uh, is that tuberculosis. But I think that, now here's so here I'm going to keep talking about vampires for a second. Mm -hmm. I always thought that um, the type of like the infectious vampire was much more interesting than just a, than just a cursed vampire mm -hmm. and um i mean i it, it's just it's um it's weird and it's something that i want to talk about when i um go out and start promoting bergdorf and associates more that uh, to me i don't really like I, just as a greek orthodox christian we don't think too much on like demons and the devil and all that I mean, we, I guess, acknowledge their existence or something like that. But we always kind of feel that, like, we've been saved from all that. Mm -hmm. So demons and demonic possession and being cursed by God or whatever has never really frightened me because I didn't grow up ever having that fear. Mm -hmm. But uh, as far as vampires are concerned, um, Brian Lumley has a really great series of his necroscope books are pretty much vampire books and they're all about um this cosmic lovecraftian sort of horror that uh transplants its vampire egg in you this parasite and turns you into a vampire and um i always thought that that's much more horrifying than you know being well to me because i just like i said i i don't I don't fret too much about being cursed by celestials, I guess, <laughs> yeah. but, but any sort of weird, uh, you know, uh, mushroom or vine that I might come across that is enticing me with some sort of, I don't know, like a, it has a bloom that looks like a can of beer or something. And I, that, <laughs> that would surely infect me. I'm afraid. Right. Well, I wonder in a almost a spiritual sense, the idea of infection transformation, it's it's really like a strong attachment to our our ego. And I don't mean to get into psychology or even Eastern philosophy, just a simple idea of, OK, me, I'm Josh. And that's super important. And now I'm not Josh so much anymore. And I wonder if that's at the root of things and the fact that we're becoming more and more an egocentric society like i wonder if that's tying into it somehow the fact that that's more and more terrifying to people to to not be us because we all think we're we're all individually so awesome <laughs> well you know here's where i i come in and give a plug to you so i just finished your novella is it is it maline it's Wait, however, how, my rule is if you bought the book, you can pronounce it any way you like. <laughs> so to, to that, I think that the, the forms of dementia and your, you have um, some older, some elderly folks in your book mm -hmm. that are uh, suffering from that. To me, that is like, that's my worst nightmare is mm. to have any sort of, uh, any sort of dementia because that is a that is a um horrible transformation in the people that suffer from it and uh it's all you know it's been i've heard it described before and i've been through it 
a couple times uh, with my own father and my mm-hmm. wife's grandmother mm-hmm. that it's, you know, when, when they first uh, succumb to that, that's like their first death. Mm-hmm. And then when they're, you know, truly dead, it's, it's really like a, like a blessing because they're sort of in this place of, of purgatory. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, um, and that's almost like, you know, I mean, there's studies and we, you know, kind of have a hint on what might help to prevent going down that road. But again, it's, it's almost like another crapshoot. We don't know mm-hmm. exactly how to stop it or prevent it or why some people don't have any, you know, uh, any effects on that at all. But, um, that's, I think certainly, I mean, what would you call like is, <laughs> it's almost like is life itself the infection then? And that's the ultimate transformation or it's, um, it, it's something that I dwell on a lot because I'm sort of, I mean, not still, you know, few decades away, but I'm really sort of looking down the hill now at, okay, what do I need to do to keep myself, you know, being myself? Mm-hmm. And I think maybe even just aging in general, um, you know, people, you know, people who try to, um, well, let's just look at like, pe- just even dyeing your hair, right? As soon as you start getting gray hairs and things like that, there's this transformation that you're going through where you are not who you were before, but it's sort of this inevitable transformation of, of aging. And, um, I, obviously, uh, I, you know, there's social conditions that, that, um, are in play there, but I think that people's general comfort there, they, they acknowledge that they are transforming through Mm -hmm. age. And it's a, it's a difficult thing to accept, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the biggest, hardest things of course we also improve like would you want to really be 16 with your 16 year old brain and hormones your whole life you know so it's like in a sense there's a decline from there but in other ways there's an evolution so it's there's a trade-off but yeah when you get to be quite elderly i mean some traditions say that you're closer in touch with the spirit realm or whatever i don't really know what to think about that but and while I won't downplay Alzheimer's or dementia at all, of course, I wrote a whole damn book about it. I would say that, of course, there is a great deal of suffering in people who witness that. We don't actually know if it's that bad to be one of those folks. I mean, it's confusing. They seem to be confused a bit, but maybe it's not that bad. And maybe it's a little awesome. I don't know. Like, what if, what if like all the neuroses that we have and and silly worries about things, all of a sudden, you don't have those. What if it's a, a relieving of a burden? And again, not to not to be like, oh, you know, you enjoy your Alzheimer's. Like, that's not what I'm saying at all. But, right. but we don't, yeah. we don't really know. We don't know what that transformation is. Because it's like, when you're there, they're not necessarily able to communicate that. Yeah, it's like, it's definitely, they're in their own realm, you know, like kind of between worlds for sure. And um, yeah, I think at, you know, kind of at the 
simplest is that there's a, you know, confusion, but also this sort of carefree. You see, you know, on the other side of it, just this, um, you know, horrifying confusion, and where there's, you know, there's almost no way to sort of talk them back into this realm at all, you know, because there's just not those neural connections anymore. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a walk in the park. And then of course the bodily functions, I mean, your body does start shutting down through it. So it's not just, you're off in a cool mushroom trip the whole time, of course, right. There's right. all sorts of other things that are not super pleasant. And in terms of digestion and swallowing you forget how to swallow like that can't be any fun but you know trying to the, the my next book the bright side of alzheimer's that's my next book so <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it's and what i another thing that i think is is sort of scary about that is like you know we look at sort of maybe not even, certainly not uh, domesticated animals, but let's just look at wild animals and sort of their general life cycle. You know, they if, if they manage to somehow not get eaten or if they're uh, somewhere around the top of the food chain, they, you know, they, they don't kind of linger in this in this declining transformation. And for a lot of humans, we have, you know, the sort of whatever the psychology is that we need to just kind of keep, keep going as long as we can. And, uh, you know, it's almost like a factory where they've laid off, you know, uh, three quarters of the staff, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but they're still trying to run, uh, run the machine. And it's, um, and, and it just kind of lingers that way for a long time instead of, uh, just this, this, you know, like a, like a, not an immediate shutting down, but, um, I, I, I think that's, uh, something sc- scary about just death and that transformation mm-hmm. is that, um, for some it's, you know, could be very sudden and then others, it's just a linger. Right. Yeah, you know, or or even with you know, obviously people with some sort of terminal infection, um, that they, in some regards, are doing what they can to have the best possible life that they can till the end. But at the same time, they're still in this transformation where they're not themselves, and mm-hmm. you know, there's going to be this this decline my uh my chihuahua is very angry at the pigeons that sell <laughs> out there so sorry about that no, speaking speaking <laughs> of animals so that's perfect timing <laughs> yeah but some of the yes. animals they do linger there's something called chronic wasting disease that's happening in deer and elk and moose it's called the zombie deer disease basically and I touched upon it on my story in Terra at 5280. Wow, amazing how I always tie it back to my own work, huh? <laughs> Almost like I planned that. But uh, in my story, Chronic Cold, I talk a little bit about that. But that's 
kind of the opposite of what you're talking about happening in nature, which is for the most part, it's like, you know, they're alive, they're alive, they're alive, they're dead, right? That's usually, yeah. I mean, they'll get a little sick and they'll get a little, but they don't usually last, they won't last the winter, some coyote will eat them, you know, whatever. But with this chronic wasting disease, they literally are wasting away very gradually and it's it's pretty awful. But then because they're out in nature, something does generally eat them, whereas things don't eat us. And maybe that's quite a transformation, right? Turning into food and then into another animal. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's it would be really weird to, you know, almost see some sort of uh, evolution like, a, and I don't even know what you would call that type of rapid evolution, but hmm. that would be like an, like an interesting thing to sort of see that kind of transformation. Oh, you know what? Now I, I've been watching a lot of um, Star Trek Voyager lately, hmm. and I just saw this episode where uh, the aliens, well, I won't tell the whole thing, but basically the, the, the aliens get shipped off to these asteroids when they die. And their body secretes this film that has uh, like subsonic particles, which could help the, the ship. But what the people, what the aliens think happens to them is that they're actually, that their death is an evolution. So, you know, just look at, um, you know, Judeo-Christian religions where we think that we're, when we die, then we go into heaven or whatever so their world was that when they die they do transform and it's very much like a metamorphosis into not just a higher being and it's not like you know um reincarnation it's it's definitely evolving into a higher better being hmm. uh through through death unfortunately their corpses are just being laid out on these asteroids and that's right. not really happening to them. And that's where the dilemma comes in. I see. Yeah. But, uh, but it, it makes me, you know, it, it makes me think about that because, um, you know, that's, that's certainly how we transform into things. Mm -hmm. I, I just keep thinking about transformation and death and you've probably, um, like, have you ever read or, or seen about um, like whale fall when a, when whales die? Have you seen any uh, stories or images on that where like this huge massive creature dies and it floats down to the surface and starts to decay, but it releases all this heat and all this energy and turns into these little, you know, these little biospheres so that this big giant animal ends up sustaining this community of fish and crabs and worms and coral and all this stuff for like decades after its body is. And it's, it's not just like a, a terrestrial creature dying and the bugs come and get it. I mean, it's like this long term biome that is sustained by the breakdown of this huge gigantic creature. That's super cool. Yeah, I guess I was vaguely aware of that, but not to that extent. So that's a pretty cool thing. And their transformation is providing life for the other creatures. Like you said, it's basically little little ecosystem 
product at that point. Yeah, it's it's a really it's a cool and very you know kind of creepy thing, but it's you know it's like these weird little oases at the the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, well, speaking of death, one way to look at it is if we came from some source, however you want to frame that, and then the actual transformation is what we are now. Being alive is the transformation because then when we die, we just go back to what we always were. So we're like, oh, I don't want, I don't want to die. It's going to be that weird thing when I turn into it. And it's like, we're already the weird thing. Like we're just going back to the original state in theory. Who knows, right? <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, that could be that we are already the weird thing. Yeah, the mutant for sure. I mean, it would explain a lot, right? <laughs> Yeah, well, it's sort of like I, you know, have been joking um, that, I mean, I, I, I just generally have a pretty pessimistic view, but I'm always thinking that, that like human is, you know, like the most evolved virus that there is, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Like we're continually, right, our, um, the, right, the planets are our are, are host. And when you think about it, viruses are pretty stupid because yeah. Yeah. they're just going to produce and consume until their host, you know, parasites, I guess, have it right because they don't plan on trying to kill their host. But mm. the virus in general, I think, is sort of setting out to, um, to just consume uh, its whole world until there's nothing left and then then it, it's dead so yeah it's a dead end if it goes down that route and that's that's definitely uh it's definitely what humans i don't know if it's definitely but it, it may well be that is the path that humans are on unless speaking of transformations our next transformation is some sort of mental evolution and we have gone through a lot of evolution since early humans and maybe that next stage of evolution that next transformation will be a positive one or not who's to say but that's uh I, i'm usually pessimistic but then when somebody else is being pessimistic i'll try to balance it with some optimism but yeah who the hell knows i i think i think the virus metaphor is is pretty apt for the most part right it's but the some viruses yeah, they do kill off when they become too virulent, they kill off their host. The best, the most successful virus is, well, COVID's doing pretty damn well. It's like you, it's bad enough uh, where you get to, I don't know, proliferate, I guess, but it it's not so bad that it keeps people from spreading because the really worst, the worst diseases where like you die really quickly or it's so obvious because you're, you're just look like shit or falling apart you're not going out and you're not infecting other people. So the best way is to have a little sneaker and an asymptomatic spread is, yeah, it's uh, COVID works pretty well in, in terms of that. So we humans might be a COVID in that way where we don't kill off our planet. We just fuck it up royally forever. I don't know. I don't know yeah. what, what we're going to do, but. Well, the glass lungs of the planet would be, what would that be if 
I guess, if uh, the Amazon uh, calcifies or something weird. Yeah, yeah, that could be an analogy. The one thing I want to know is if COVID is actually a supernatural possession sort of thing, what's what's going on with that? So is that is that a demon? Is that a a jinn? Mm. Could or or what if the jinn were responsible for that? We don't. We don't know what those spirits are up to. We don't know what happened. This so the three theories, I guess, right now are it's a natural origin, right? Zoonotic spread. Maybe it came from a lab, or what seems like now the most likely theory is it's a gin. So, well, there's certainly they could certainly be involved. I okay. I know that they kind of work behind the scenes. They what's um what's interesting about gin is that they're you know, nothing like Robin Williams at all. They don't, they have these little secret agendas. They're somewhere between angels and, and demons. They're not good. They're not bad. They've been around forever and they definitely have some long-term agenda. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if COVID came from, you know, like some spore that was located deep down in the, like, like amber, which I think is a pretty mm-hmm. pretty weird thing. We don't know what kind of stuff has been trapped in amber, and um, you know, getting into that, who, what we don't know what kind of chaos could be unleashed with that. It's true. Which is it's it's funny. That reminds me of of my book, Bergdorf and Associates, Josh. Wow, it's, that's it's amazing transition. that you brought that up. Yeah, it is, isn't it? I uh, I I I didn't even think of that myself but um yeah bergdorf and associates that is my novella thank you for steering me in that direction and it uh, definitely does have a lot of transformation in it um and a little bit of uh biological horror in that these uh these jinn these ancient spirits um are manipulating uh, humankind from behind the scenes and uh, I sort of explore whether they are there to do good or if they're there for their own uh, well-being or the um, or at the manipulation of some even higher more supernatural power that's so cool yeah I'm looking forward to reading that I've had the book for the last uh, few weeks it's on my list I'm definitely going to be reading it I have yet to but I have read your other stuff so I can highly recommend anything that Tom writes Uh, so speaking of which where can folks find that book or other of your stuff and then finally what are you working on right now so I'm I am trying to plan. It's it's all up in the air on who um, is having live events and um, and not. But I'm in the process of trying to have a uh, a reading event coming up here. But there's no solid details yet. So I have a lot of copies myself. Mm-hmm. But the best way at this moment, and the, I think the way that I prefer is uh, if. If you just go to um, Omnium Gatherum Media, which is the publisher of my book, mm-hmm. and you can pick it up directly there. Of course, it is available on the 
big A mm-hmm. on uh, on that platform. Oh, see, the dogs are, they don't like that. No one They're likes very, the big A. They yeah. are very upset that I even mentioned they that company. Indie distribution, as do I, but it's yeah, the world but, we're living in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, you can pick it up there. Hopefully, I'm I'm going to try to get it into some of the local stores. Um, it's not at Book Bar, Denver Book Bar yet, but hopefully, uh, you'll be able to find some copies there uh, cool. on the shelf. Cool. And as, yeah, what are you working on now? Oh, so was, I'm trying to I'm trying to um, plot out the second Bergdorf book, hmm. which is uh, something that I was asked about when I originally had the first uh, when Bergdorf came out. I was asked if there was a possibility of bringing back this um, these folks, and so ever since that moment. I've been putting together book two and uh, honestly, it's been a struggle for me to write um, under COVID. Hmm. It's just been really difficult for me to find the motivation, but I'm still, you know, getting out a couple hundred words here and there. Mm -hmm. So things are moving forward, just not at the pace that I want, but it's probably something that won't be, uh, available until uh, next year. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, something that is definitely going to be out next year is a, um, a chapbook that I'm putting together with Muzzleland Press that will have a number of, um, of uh, consumer uh, complaint letters <laughs> to a, uh, a multinational a corporation that may or may not have some sort of sinister hidden agenda. And this is just a collection of their, of their finest complaint letters to this company. Wow. That sounds really cool. And that's uh, I, I have a few of those composed already. So um, every once in a while, I just sort of get the, the urge to write a complaint letter about um, fly tape or, um, you know, some sort of ointment or bug spray and uh, i write that letter fun well that sounds like a really cool project i'm looking forward to that as well yeah i think that's going to be a lot of fun and uh, and it's it's fun to just kind of write these insane letters i bet it is well tom thank you so much for appearing in josh's worst nightmare i'm so glad you could make it well thanks again for asking josh this was a good convo for sure Definitely. Well, thanks, and we'll be in touch. Okay. Thanks for taking a trip with me through Josh's Worst Nightmare, where I, Josh Schlossberg, survey the dark landscape of biological horror fiction presented by Denver Horror Collective. If you don't want to miss any of the great, and sometimes disturbing, weekly episodes I've got planned for you, be sure to subscribe to Josh's Worst Nightmare on a variety of podcast platforms. You can also sign up for Josh's Worst Nightmare e-newsletter at joshsworstnightmare.com where I share a whole squirming mess of bio-horror, including my infamous haiku horror reviews and my latest dark scribblings. Speaking of which, if you haven't already picked up a copy of my cosmic biological folk horror novella, Moline, from D&T Publishing, 
You can find a copy of the paperback, hardcover, or ebook at Amazon, Godless.com, or Josh'sWorstNightmare.com. Yours darkly, Josh Schlossberg.